today we wanted to talk about a very important topic. Yes. We think that this is probably the kind of topic that's been so so confusing to so many. And there's so many versions of this topic that it, it just has caused a great deal of noise. Mm -hmm. And and the topic is actually about cholesterol, yes. um, and and which we think is incredibly important to know about. The two of us have begun to think that a big driver, a major driver of dementia, is the the lipid pathway, the the cholesterol pathway, mm -hmm. um, probably disproportionately. And it's true, definitely so for stroke. Uh, you would speak to that. Yes. So we wanted to start with some stories, um, some cases that are usually not spoken about in in in, in uh, clinical trials or in, in journals because they never come to that point because it's not considered the disease yet but it's i think ubiquitous and this is something that we have to speak about on my end i'll start with an example i'm not going to name names uh, for hipaa purposes but <clears throat> um a, a 53 year old uh lady um and who was experiencing some memory issues um in fact for the most part, she wasn't aware of it herself, but um, the family was becoming aware of it. Um, it was affecting their life. It was uh, affecting their relationships because with the memory problems comes frustrations without people knowing so. And with the frustrations comes all these difficulties in social and family um, communication. And and the person actually attributes it to external variables, but it's actually internal. It's, it's the frustrations that manifest in in, in uh, uh, the fight or flight that we usually talk about. She was um, resistant to see physicians and uh, slowly she started having difficulty with a job at which she was, she was with this particular job for 20 years, about 19 years or so. And she was having difficulty with family members and she was having difficulty at her church with as far as uh, communicating. And uh, she was one of the people that had to, had a job or a volunteer position. All of them were falling apart, and the the at best they were attributing it to psychological issues like depression. Reality was that it was actually cognitive. So when they came to me, um, I immediately kind of recognized these um, uh, cases, um, what we call vasculopathies, vascular disease cases. Uh, there's no stroke. I mean, there's not one side paralyzed or language uh, affected like you see in strokes, but you see a slowness. They call it bradyphrenia and bradykinesia. <clears throat> Bradykinesia means slowness in, in movement in general. The movement becomes slower. And bradyphrenia is the thinking becomes slower. It takes time to, to, uh, from point A to point B of thought process. And, and uh, the person, of course, is not aware of it because they're living the situation over, you know, over years. And so they're, they're not recognizing the decrement. But everybody else, um, especially people further away, actually recognize it. Family members that have not seen them for a while, and they 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 see them in a Christmas um, you know um, gathering, gathering and yeah. and and all of a sudden there it is uh, there's a there's a difference in this person and so we did the MRI and in this case MRI is usually telling the MRI usually shows these white matter changes I mean significant white matter changes um, uh, the kind that you um, when you describe it to the person and then you say this is not supposed to be white what MRIs have different kind of views, you know, T1, T2, um, DWI, you know, different kind of, and each of them give you different kind of features of tissue. When, when I'm looking at the plain MRI, uh, T1, it should be just gray. But even at that stage, you see white little spots throughout the brain. 
And the reason I'm bringing this up is because by the time they came to me, this, her brain was inundated with these white spots. That Those white spots are not necessarily dead tissue. It's inflammation. It's a, um, a white matter disease, which means the, the material that surrounds the nerves are damaged. But it's profound enough to manifest on the MRI. Um, although we can affect it over time with lifestyle and everything else, but usually by the time that we see them, it's it's quite the 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 the, the horses out of the barn, and and we really um, have to do some more drastic things. By the way, this kind of um, cognitive decline is never diagnosed. There's rarely, on rare occasions, if they somebody comes to the clinic and sees a specialist like me, they see it. But it's actually universal. You see it significantly if you go into the population after the age of 55, especially in regions where food and, and lifestyle is terrible, you see it much more so. And the reason we bring it up because we see the difference between the two the regions that we work in, the healthiest place in the world, which is Loma Linda, and the unhealthiest place in America, or one of the top five unhealthiest, which is uh, San Bernardino. They're contiguous with each other. Yet we see the difference in MRIs. I mean, it's just profound. And this person actually had mild dementia, and which was vascular and all, all um, uh, it's uh, the way it looked and the way it was manifesting clinically in every way. Um, and that's from my field, from dementia field. On the vascular field, strokes and microstrokes and TIAs, you see a lot more of that. Yes, absolutely. Um so maybe we should actually start talking about just the role of cholesterol in brain health and give a little bit of background before yes. we move forward. Um, so we know that, you know, everybody says that the brain is made of fat and it's about 60% fat and that's true. But the kind of fat that the brain has is localized in the brain and it doesn't really traverse the blood brain barrier to get into it. The brain actually creates some amount of cholesterol for itself. Now, cholesterol is found in the myelin sheets, which are the coverings uh, mm -hmm. in the connections between neurons. And uh, one of the most important aspects of this cholesterol is in the transport of substances and also in the protection of the brain and in the conduction of messaging from one cell to another. So as far as uh, communication is concerned, cholesterol is incredibly important. And so this homeostasis of cholesterol is something that scientists have studied quite a bit. And they've actually looked at how statins affect the homeostasis of cholesterol metabolism in the brain. Now, from multiple studies, we've known that when people tend to have abnormal cholesterol levels in their brain related to um, genetic factors increasing their cholesterol levels or from environmental aspects, bad nutrition, poor exercise, etc. It can cause damage to brain cells and also the vasculature in the brain. Um, a lot of studies have actually shown that uh, during the midlife, you know, between 40s, 50s is the time when cholesterol actually causes a whole lot of damage and it continues to go on throughout our life and potentially can cause cognitive decline and ultimately Alzheimer's disease as well. Now, cholesterol is metabolized differently in the outside in the plasma versus inside the brain. We know that when people tend to have Bioproduct, byproducts, or um, some of the uh, um, you know related products of uh, cholesterol metabolism in the circulation in the plasma, it can cause oxidative damage 
to the cells in the body and also to the vasculature leading to the brain. So that's why the concept and the guidelines have suggested that it's very important for us to manage cholesterol levels, especially during midlife, obviously in the later life as well. But when it comes to Alzheimer's disease and neurodegenerative problems, we all know that after a potential, after a certain uh, point, you know, any preventive measures or changes cannot be as helpful as it can be earlier on mm -hmm. as well. That's why early prevention and early intervention is so critically important. Um, so um, statins are uh, medications that lower cholesterol in the periphery, and they have been associated with a lot of cardiovascular benefits, like Dean said, microstrokes, uh, small vessel disease, all of that has been um, studied extensively. And I'm quoting from one of the papers here that for every one millimole per liter reduction in LDL cholesterol, which has been associated with cardiovascular disease, statins have reduced the relative risk of any major cardiovascular event by 22%. Major, that, that's just remarkable. Right. Yeah. Major cardiovascular events are like heart attacks, yeah. strokes, um, etc. Major coronary events are reduced by 23%, yeah. separate from uh, all of the cardiovascular and coronary artery disease or the hardening of the arteries um, in the heart have been reduced by 20%. And deaths as a result of coronary artery disease has been reduced by 20%. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, one step even further back is our audience has been with us for a while, most of them. And they realize that we push for lifestyle ahead of everything. Obviously. So definitely lifestyle comes first. But the reason we're actually talking about statins and, and, and lipids um, and cholesterol today is because if, despite all of that, you still have elevated cholesterol, mm -hmm. it, it goes without question that we, we think that uh, use of a cholesterol-lowering agent, at least for a short period of time until it comes be, brings it back to normal, is critical. Um, um, I know that, uh, the, in, in, even in food, yeah. even in nutrition and lifestyle, that now we have camps, yes. uh, we have one camp at science. So I don't know what camp we're in, but, but the, the, the camp we is, shouldn't be in any camps. I, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Our camp is science. Yeah. So, uh, and, and so the, the reality is there's, we have to move with the science and what the data shows yeah. and medications, uh, and especially in this case, statins in those that. <clears throat> that can't lower their cholesterol levels is critical. And today we wanted to kind of emphasize that and to give you some studies that, that, that have been done. Right. So let's step back and find out why is there um, so much uh, misinformation and why is this causing a lot of chaos for consumers regarding um, taking uh, statins and also, um, you know, the role of cholesterol and brain health. And when I say brain health, I mean, you know, not necessarily just the ultimate disease, which is Alzheimer's disease, but also how does it play a role in our cognition? So in 2010, I think beginnings of 2010, maybe a little earlier than mm -hmm. that, there were some case reports. So case reports are essentially stories of certain in individuals who, after taking statins, were experiencing some cognitive decline. And so this was brought into attention. And I think in the, in the course of a few years, there were about three or four papers that were published um, noting memory loss and poor cognition in people who were on statins. And this started an investigation. In 2012, FDA um, issued a black, a black box warning for possible adverse effects of statins on cognitive performance. So this story kind of got bigger and bigger. And the uh, assumption was 
since statins affect cholesterol metabolism and since the brain is made of cholesterol, statins must be doing something very harmful to the brain. So that's how the story started. And, and, and I remember that at the time we actually had a, a couple of talks and, and in those talks, we, we brought up the cautionary aspect of it. You know, we always say to the best of our knowledge today, and at that point, that was what, ha what had come out. And so we said, there is a caution. We have to be aware of it. Uh, we have to actually weigh the cost benefits of this. And, and so at that point, that was the, the knowledge um, that was present. And since then, uh, there's been an increasing body of evidence that look at sh uh, short uh, term and long term effect of statins on cognition um, and cognition separate from cardiovascular disease, which is kind of hard to do because there's a lot of overlap um, between patients who have true neurodegenerative yeah. diseases and cardiovascular diseases as well, which means that a lot of people who have some neurodegeneration often have some underlying cardiovascular disease as well. But we have enough data that have actually showed us, I'm kind of jumping to the conclusion yeah, okay. right now, but you know, long-term data shows us that there is a beneficial role of statin in prevention of dementia. And there's some large-scale trials that actually wanted to specifically look at whether statin treatment was associated with dementia or with a decline in cognitive sc uh, scores, and it didn't find any. Small-scale trials were mixed. So um, recently, there were a couple of papers that came out that looked at the totality of the data, which means that they looked at several lines of data, case reports, large clinical trials that were long-term, short-term, and put together. And recently, I believe it was um, earlier this year, when a paper came out in the European Journal of Preventive Cardiology that looked at statin use and risk of dementia or Alzheimer's disease, it was a systematic review and a meta-analysis of, of observational studies with pretty interesting results. Wow. Should I go ahead and jump into it? No, let's let's <laughs> let's hold them right. uh, uh, in suspense. Right. Um, so now statins are not your only way out. So what do statins do? So statin, um, there's a these are class of drugs, um, uh, and there are multiple of them. Um, um, uh, and and you uh, and the way they work is they inhibit the HMG CoA um, uh, enzyme, which which helps in creation of cholesterol. Um, and it blocks that pathway. When it blocks that pathway, cholesterol goes down. And specifically LDL, uh, the low density cholesterol goes down. And actually HDL goes up and depending on which one, but for most, it, HDL goes up and also triglycerides come down. So they, they are pretty effective. <clears throat> besides, besides that, there are side effects potentially. And one of the most common side effects is muscle pain, muscle ache. Now here's the cautionary tale there too. They just recently did study double blind uh, 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 placebo and, and drug to see if the if the muscle pain was was real, and a great proportion of the people that actually um, uh, said that they had muscle aches actually did not have muscle aches. Mm -hmm. So once the information goes out there in the ether, people actually start developing symptoms. They're not obfuscating. It's just we are we we start believing we all have aches. So we attribute those aches to uh, to uh, to the statins, but there definitely is real mechan mechanical process for a, a percentage of population where the muscle is affected. Uh, they believe that it, it's through Q uh, uh, Q uh, uh, Q10 CoQ10 enzyme, which works in the mitochondria for creation of ATP. 
that's affected and then the end the muscles get weaker <clears throat> and then with that weakness there's pain and and cramping and things of that nature mm -hmm. other side effects are uh, effect on sugar levels or glucose levels um constipation nausea diarrhea cramps um, and elevated liver enzymes. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody gets this. The numbers are pretty low, but those are things to be aware of. Mm -hmm. And usually with the muscle cramping, when you give CoQ10, people do better, but some people don't, they don't tolerate. So, but besides that, there are other drugs uh, which are cholesterol absorbing in, uh, absorb, um, absorption inhibitors. These work differently. They stop the cholesterol by absorbing the process, such as Zidia, and it's pretty powerful. It really in, is, in, yeah. in cases where the... Um, HMG coas don't work. You go with Zidia, and again, side effects are stomach problems, diarrhea, fatigue, um, and people who are pregnant should not take it. And there are many other classes. Uh, PCS K9 is another one. That's a newer what, one. It is. It's yes. a it's a MAB. When anytime you hear a MAB at the end of a word, you know it's an antibody that works against something. So that's that's the way that works. Then you have the uh, citrate lyase inhibitors, and you have the bile acid sequesters. Remember that the bile acids actually work in digestion and with cholesterol. And when you block it, it actually helps lowering uh, the, the cholesterol levels. Uh, and then you have uh, combination calcium channel blockers and statins. There are actually a couple of families of yes. drugs where you combine with statins. And those are usually used by cardiologists for people with a lot of atherosclerotic disease, yeah. meaning hardening of the arteries, exactly. who have blood pressure as well as high cholesterol. And the reason I'm going through this is just to allay people's fears that there are other paths as well, such as fibrates and niacin and omega-3. Niacin works on triglycerides a lot, yes. very well. Um, I took it and... and uh, one of the common side effects of niacin is what's called red man syndrome. The I mean, flushing the, of the face. Yeah, it's a little bit of pejorative, but yeah, uh, yeah um, uh, uh, the flushing was just unbelievable experience yeah. for me. Yeah. Not good, let's just say. Yeah, but, it was horrible. Yeah, but so and omega three seems to help as well. well. We should say that not everybody has that side. Oh, effect. actually, it's just, yeah, you know, it's, it's fairly a, rare. It's a percentage of people that tend to have it, and niacin can actually work really well for some people. Exactly. So there's a lot of other choices as well. Vespa and Lovaza are some of the newer omega-3 fatty yes. acids which are high doses of epa yes and they reduce triglycerides and they can also increase hdl and that is something that is very exciting in the world of card cardiology where prescription dose omega-3 fatty acids are given for people to reduce their risk of cardiovascular disease it's amazing so so there are a lot of choices all of them have potential side effects to be aware of yeah. the reason we're talking about a pharma pharmaceutical drug right now it's not because we're being paid by pharmaceutical companies we're not uh, i can assure you that but we think this topic is so very important so universal mm -hmm. it's vasculopathy vascular disease the major driver of many of our diseases is vascular disease right. be it cardiovascular disease heart disease um, uh, peripheral vascular disease and all the cognitive dis disorders we talked about uh, so this option should not be taken off the table if lifestyle is not working, please do not take this option out of the table and don't let some, um, um, you know, some somebody on internet, um, uh, you know, just create fear mongering. And I think it's very important for everybody to know why yes. this fear started. And when you look into it, as I mentioned earlier, it was because of 
a few individuals, not many, when you look at population studies, it actually shows the benefit of statin, but these few cases had serious issues, whether it was related to statins or something else, we're not quite clear yeah. because there were not enough cases where one could do a population long-term study. There were very few. But here's why we want you all to take this seriously. Coming back to the systematic yes. review and the meta-analysis that I was talking to, <clears> and I will definitely put this link into the podcast notes and on the um, homepage for everyone to read. So this study was uh, performed um, in... Uh, in uh, several, it was actually a uh, you know collaboration of different uh, individuals from different universities. What they did was they looked at all of the data that was related to the use of statin and the risk of dementia or mm -hmm. Alzheimer's disease from the inception point to January of 2021. Inception of what? Inception of this whole concept. So they didn't even actually put a lower wow, uh, okay. end of this is because when you do a systematic review, sometimes if you don't put a you know a limit to the number of years that you want to look at you can you got you get overwhelmed but they didn't they actually did a very good job and what they included in the paper was to look at any cohort study any case control study they wanted to compare statin users compared to non-statin users so they always wanted to have a control and um, they wanted to look at um, alzheimer's disease or other dementias mentioned in these papers and so when they pulled all of these papers, and there were about 36 of them, 36 papers um, that looked at dementia and 21 pa papers that looked at specifically Alzheimer's disease, and they, of course, stratified it by age, uh, gender, and other risk factors, what they found was um, that there was no um, no evidence of any neurocognitive risk associated with treatment with statins. And um, on the contrary, they found that there was a potential favorable role of statins. And obviously, we need randomized control trials to study this forward. That's one of the statements that they always add in, in multiple papers. But this was incredible. And so the to bottom line, if, if we actually create a summary um, uh, line for this paper, they showed that um, people who consumed or who took statins, they had a 20% lower risk of dementia, all the all-encompassing umbrella yeah. dementia, and a 32% risk reduction in Alzheimer's disease. That's just remarkable. Yeah. So, so th this, this is why it's critical. Now, there are many of you out there that are incredibly good with the lifestyle component, and you're able to control um, the, the your your cholesterol levels through food or or uh, abatement of of all the bad foods, and and you can maintain maintain it. But this is not the case for general population, and nobody should feel guilty. It's a journey. People take this journey, and I want to make sure that we don't preach to ourselves. There are a lot of talking heads out there that, that, that preach to the optimal, to the absolute best, which means that through a lot of people fail, fail because they feel guilty. And a lot of people can't achieve that optimal. I mean, it would be, uh, it's good to work towards that. And we all this year and many years we've talked about systematic, you know, uh, ways of achieving that optimal goal. But for the general population, if your cholesterol is high, you cannot wait. The damage is being done. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll throw some other things that you can't wait. If you have sleep apnea, significant sleep, you can't wait. 
every night is damage to your brain. So you better find out what the sleep apnea is caused by and use this, get the CPAP machine. If you have high blood pressure, that talk about magical thinking when it comes to high blood pressure. We take the blood pressure once every three months in a clinic and that's it. This is a variable that at any one point can cause massive damage. And we see so many people whose blood pressures go up to 170s and 180s on a regular basis. And they say, oh no, but in, on average, I'm good. The brain doesn't care on the average. That one time going up is an attack on the brain that has caused damage. Mm -hmm. Again, this is not us creating fear mongering. It's control. You have control, being a little bit, bit aware of it. Cholesterol is one of those three, four pivotal variables mm -hmm. that if we don't, if we're not on top of it, it can cause profound damage. And again, I'm going to bring those poor blueberries. No amount of blueberries is going to reverse that damage. Absolutely. Not by itself. I wanted to add a couple of other things because um, there, there's some beautiful nuances in this paper. So now we know from the data that people who don't have dementia and Alzheimer's disease, but they do have high cholesterol levels. And when they take statin, not only does the statin not cause damage to their brain, but it actually reduces the risk of dementia and Alzheimer's disease. They have also done some studies on individuals who already have some cognitive impairment. So whether it's mild cognitive impairments or the beginnings of um, Alzheimer's disease. Specifically, there was a study on an elderly cohort. It was called the Cardiovascular Health Study by Dr. Bernick. And they showed that in that population wow. where they already had some cognitive impairment, the use of statin was associated with a very slight reduction in the rate of cognitive decline during seven years period compared to those who were not taking any statins. And, and this is in lieu of the fact that we have no drug that slows down the disease. Right, right. So that actually tells no us... No other drug, yeah. Exactly. So that tells us that when people start having cognitive impairment, Anything that you can do to reduce the existing burden of disease or existing vascular risk factors and um, allowing for the body to have some of the other effects of statin, the pleiotropic effect, which is anti-inflammatory effect of statin, mm -hmm. may actually benefit uh, the brain and it may slow down uh, cognitive decline. So that's a very important point because we keep on saying it's very important to prevent. But there is some data that shows that when people have some mild cognitive impairment, if they um, if they tend to their vascular risk factors, they actually do very well. So that's that's a pretty resounding yes uh, for cholesterol lowering medications such as statins. In particular cases. Uh, uh, within the context of lifestyle, though, right, right. and I and we definitely believe that for those who are adherent to lifestyle well, you can actually get rid of the medication over time. Right. Um. But but under supervision of your uh, physician. So, um, we we are often penny wise, dollar foolish. Mm -hmm. We start talking about the minutia, one food item, one this, but this is a big. This is a big factor. It really is. Yeah. So, so, so let's and by go. the way, sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. No, no. no, I was just going to say, um, I was going to go over the um, summary points of what we have yes. learned so far and how we can apply it. But go ahead. You were saying something. Nope. Um, right. That's actually <laughs> okay. perfect. All right. So, so just currently from this data and from our reading, um, there is enough evidence for, uh, for us to accept for that evidence to suggest that statins 
are unlikely to cause dementia and unlikely to cause cognitive decline. I think that's a very important a strong point statement, that we all yes. have to accept. And that it has good safety profile and that for people who have a risk of cardiovascular disease and high cholesterol, they should be able to take it safely. The other point that this research is supporting um, is that uh, for cardiovascular prevention, the guidelines that came out in 2019 by the American College of Cardiology strongly recommends the use of statins in secondary prevention in individuals who have had, say, for example, mild coronary artery mm -hmm. disease or cognitive decline. And um, dare we say that with this data, we actually even have um, evidence of a possible role of statin therapy for prevention of dementia. Correct. Just based on this paper saying that 32% of Alzheimer's disease can be prevented. Correct. And um, also the, the, the most important underlying biological mechanism is the pleiotropic effect or the anti-inflammatory effect of statins to uh, protect the vessel wall from atherosclerosis and also to reduce um, reactive, reactive oxygen species that are as a result, that kind of come up as a result of um, oxidative stress and inflammation. Makes sense. Wonderful. Beautiful. All right. Questions. Let's go ahead and ask, um, let's go ahead and open up the room for questions. I know that our lovely BHR members had actually placed some um, questions in the homepage. Um, the, the question of, um, it was mostly about safety. And people were concerned, some members were concerned. And um, for example, one of the members actually started taking red rice yeast to reduce their LDL and they were concerned about taking statins and they wanted us to kind of go over the detail which we did but what are your thoughts about red rice no I, I was reading on that as well i had read it a while ago and and there is some effectiveness there's evidence that it's effective um and all of those you you have to let your numbers determine your course we're not at the level of precision medicine where we actually look at all your genome look at all your proteomics which are all the proteins in your body and uh, and and then from that say you will respond perfectly to this drug, this drug, this drug. Mm -hmm. uh, and we will be there. We're very close, ironically, or fortuitously. But at, this, but at this point, what we can do is check your levels, check your cholesterol levels, LDL, HDL, you know, uh, uh, triglycerides, and whatever drug intervention or pharmaceutical intervention or medication or, sorry, or, or lifestyle intervention you're undertaking, let those numbers dictate where you're going. And, and how you're responding. So th those numbers should be followed. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, um, let's see. Um, Bernadette says, both my husband and I were on statins for 14 years, three months after we switched to a whole food plant-based diet in 2014. Our doctor felt it was unnecessary for us to take statins. He also took away 75% of my blood pressure medication. Yay for whole food plant-based. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, the same is true for us. Well, yes. for me, mostly. Um, from migraine medication to blood pressure medication, uh, it's, it's just amazing. That, but again, um, uh, when I needed it, I, I took it. So that's, that's critical. You're, you're absolutely right. Let me ask a question. So, you know, say, for example, you and I are doing great when it comes to diet. We, we, we're doing great and exercise as well. Well, maybe a little more than the last week because of all the work, we should get back to our exercise. But if a time comes, I'll speak for myself. If my cholesterol gets out of control because I know that I have a familial hyperlipidemia, 
um, I will actually make a decision to take statins to Absolutely. prevent my risk factors. Would you do that? Oh, 100%. Same thing with blood pressure medication. If my blood pressure is creeping up, and if I'm thinking that it's going up above, you know, 130s and 140s on a regular basis, mm -hmm. I'm taking blood pressure medicine until I find the cause, until I reverse it and, and all of that, because I cannot take the risk. I see the outcomes. I see the Same. blood pressure is spiking. And then that I know when they say that when you see a little white spot in the brain at the cellular level, that's 10,000 times more damage. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to give that chance. Um, I'm going to use the blood pressure medication if I need to. Um, those are the two that I'm, I'm, I'm quite adamant about. Thank goodness we're, we're, we're fine so far. Right. Um, Bonnie has a really good question. She asks about specific ideal, uh, sorry, LDL and HDL numbers that we should all strive for. And if our HDL is elevated, but LDL is fine, what do you do? How do we achieve an ideal LDL to HDL ratio? Well, um, God, with the, with the LDL, you know this, uh, right. you deal with this at the stroke as a stroke yeah. attending all the time. Most of the um, data on the ideal LDL number has come from cardiovascular studies. And um, there was a time when the definition, even now, is considered 100 and below. But I think we have more granular data now. And it shows us that if you follow that chart, you know, mm -hmm. if you follow that uh, trajectory. trajectory, if you go even below 100 of LDL, which is milligram per deciliter of LDL, your risk reduces, your cardiovascular disease risk reduces significantly. We don't have anything like that for Alzheimer's disease. We just know that lower LDL is associated with lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. But for, for cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, other coronary artery um, events um, below 70. And the ideal so far, according to the um, American College of Cardiology, is 55. So even going down to 55 wow. milligrams per deciliter of LDL is a fantastic thing. So I suppose the lower, the better. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if we believe those numbers, which we do, I mean, the numbers are pretty strong. I don't think there are many people that are near those numbers. No, no. no. And as a matter of fact, with um, you know, with the change in the definition of a normal LDL, more and more people become abnormal, and yes. so this becomes more of a concern. But um, it's not impossible. Yeah. And you know, doctors um, who work with patients very closely, not just with statins, but a combination of statin and lifestyle, are able to reduce LDL significantly. Now, as far as the um, a ratio of LDL to HDL is concerned. HDL is something that is affected by so many different factors, by exercise, by dietary measures. But when you look at um, the ratio, it kind of goes up and down together. So yeah. say, for example, if you're, if you're taking a statin and your LDL goes down, your HDL will kind of concordantly go down as well. And a lot of times, the same is true for diet. When people actually change their diet significantly, their HDL initially actually goes down because they're a component of the function of HDL is almost like a reactionary and uh, 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 enzyme, anti-inflammatory, anti-reactionary um, 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 product. Uh, almost like when we when we look at C-reactive protein or mm -hmm. ferritin and things yeah. of that nature, HDL yeah. to some extent reacts that way as well. So HDL's numbers, you want it to be high, exercise affects it, like Aisha said, right. and, and a lot of these drugs that we talked about also affect it. Eating healthy, definitely with the, you know, lowering saturated fat affects it. 
So um, although the relationship seems to be kind of connected, mm -hmm. but uh, the, uh, of, of late, we've become aware of the fact that when LDL goes down, at the beginning, at least, HDL also goes down. So don't worry too much about that. Right. So, But, but by definition, the higher the ratio, the better, which yes. means the higher LDL and the lower your, uh, sorry, the oh, higher your yeah. HDL, the lower your LDL, the better. Uh, and most uh, healthcare providers want the ratio to be below uh, five to one. So five of HDL and one of LDL. A ratio below 3.5 to one is considered very good. Yeah. I mean, if we're expecting LDL to be, in, in let's say 60s yes. and for most people their hdl is in their 50s and 60s that's mm -hmm. almost like a one-to-one -one, which would be amazing absolutely right. and, and something like that will have profound effect on your brain health heart health oh. and vascular health yet we don't speak about it the weight of truth is important as in, no more important than anything else we talk about all kinds of things yeah. But this has probably its own profound weight. Um, uh, the, the how we react, how we behave, how we treat, how we um, 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 you know uh, interact with our our cholesterol levels. Yes, absolutely. All right. Next question. Um, I read that the NASA doctor um, to the astronauts found brain performance went down and depression. Um, the, uh, and depression. So the outcome that when he put people on statin, sorry, I was just kind of grinding yeah. fixing it while I was reading it. He used natural means to bring it down. In my mother's case, her doctor used red yeast supplements for her borderline elevated LDL, which worked for her. Please give your feedback. Yeah. So case studies of doctors here and there, and, and on, uh, there are a lot of doctors that will, that, that, that's never evidence. I mean, as I always say, um, if, if I should have, there are a lot of doctors out there because they had a disease that went away, they wrote a book. Uh, I my migraine went away with <clears throat> a whole food plant-based diet, but that's not enough evidence. That's a case study. That's a case series at best. Case series is a qualitative database. So that's why Aisha was going through this huge database that looked at multiple papers over time, you know, well-powered and all of that. That's when you can actually say, okay, this relationship this one doctor saw maybe was spurious or it was uh, affected by other variables. So um, and that we go by that more than anything else, but absolutely. using natural means as well. Absolutely. We were talking about all these other things that you can use. If you're completely opposed or your body is reacting to the statins or other drugs, there are many other things that you can use to lower that acutely over time. It's always lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, what do you think about bergamot and garlic for reducing LDL cholesterol? Is there any real science to support these? I'm afraid not. I'm afraid not. The garlic was um, studied, um, um, and I believe there was um, a couple of you know crucial studies that looked at garlic and its effect on LDL and garlic and its effect on a you know uh, blood pressure as well. They were they were really delicious things, but I don't think it really oh, yeah. affected um, blood pressure or cholesterol levels. So it that, affects my mood positively. <laughs> yes, mine too. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, there's really no evidence for that. No uh, strong evidence. I mean, uh, again, not, not to belabor this point, if you if you want to find papers on anything, remember, more than 100,000 papers published per year on PubMed. Uh, actually, the number is bigger than that. Anything you, but it's validated and strongly or well done studies, none, none that uh, we could put out. Okay. Another question says, I agree with the above questions, black garlic, bergamot, and red rice yeast mm -hmm. for reducing LDL. So we address those. Please add plant sterols and black cumin powder as well. 
So plant sterols do have a role of reducing triglycerides yeah. and um, lowering LDL to a certain extent. Basically what it does is it kind of fights for the receptors that would potentially activate the process that is negatively associated with um, LDL. But say, for example, if you have a lot of floating um, saturated fats that could potentially cause harm to the arteries, no matter how much plant sterol you're going to take, it's not going to really work. And plant sterols also don't have that anti-inflammatory effect of statins. So I have to say statins are superior, especially yeah. in urgent cases like an acute stroke or raging high cholesterol levels. But plant sterols do play a role when it's more under control and yeah. it's not as 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 high as you know the papers usually tout them to be. As far as black cumin powder is concerned, I think this is based on some weak data and some case studies, but I don't think it has been studied at a population level and it will... I, it, hopefully it will be studied and we'll let you know what the results will be, yeah. but there's really no evidence supporting that right now. Um, she goes on to say, last week I saw my cardiologist who said that based on my cholesterol number, I could reduce my um, atorvastatin, which is a statin. So that's great, which means your Absolutely. LDL is being under control. Congratulations. Your um, lifestyle is taking over. Yeah, and she cut her statins and she added bergamot. Um, and she says that I felt like I was beginning mild cognitive impairment and feel like cutting the statin has made a difference. Also with focus, is that my imagination or is mild brain fog actually associated with statins? Well, you know, maybe the, maybe it wasn't the statins, maybe it was a high LDL that has been treated now. High LDL has been associated with poor cognitive function and um, changes in the way people process information. So yeah. it could be because of that. And, and you spoke to the studies that looked at cognition and, uh, and right. Uh, statins. Right. Yeah. Um, the, her last test was total, was total cholesterol was 155 and LDL was 68. Congratulations. Wow. You've reduced it less than seven. That's, That's remarkable. Amazing. That is incredible. Beautiful. Congratulations. Congratulations. All right. Another question. My husband couldn't tolerate statins would kick during the night. Ouch. He yes. now takes niacin, which is keeping his LDL down nicely. He has a flush very infrequently. Well, I'm really happy yeah. to hear that niacin is actually working very well. The cooking during the night, what, what do you make of that? Uh, um, cramping. Just twitches and cramping. Twitches and cramping, okay. cramping yeah, yeah. And, okay. and, and when we're asleep, we act it out a lot of times. Yeah, that's Whatever true. you're experiencing, for example, when somebody actually, there are stories, that when they're experiencing pain in the shoulder, they actually create a story in their mind that they're fighting somebody. Um, uh, so, um, uh, that, that it's a, it could be, again, I don't know the totality. It could be a reflex as a result of the cramping that happens with the drug Okay. and so, some. Yeah. And then the next question is what cholesterol level would be high enough to consider statins? I would say for cardiovascular health, anything above 70, and especially if someone has other vascular risk factors. So, so for example, if someone has no, um, risks no blood pressure, no cholesterol, well, no blood pressure, no diabetes or other vascular risk factors. And the only thing that is abnormal is their cholesterol. The first thing we usually do is try lifestyle. Yeah. Change of diet, exercise, uh, weight loss if it's necessary to see how it can come down. Um, and anything above, you know, close to 100 is something that we usually try to alert the patient and implement lifestyle as soon as possible if they don't have any other risk. But it's very rare for someone to have in this country, unfortunately, in our country, where they have high cholesterol levels and no other vascular risk factors. Usually when, high, when they have high cholesterol, they come with blood pressure, 
They come with some level of glucose metabolism abnormalities like pre-diabetes or insulin mm -hmm. resistance. In those situations, you just don't wait for lifestyle to kick in because they carry some other burdens as well. You offer statins or you work very closely with them to make sure that they implement a heavy duty lifestyle as soon as possible to bring their LDL levels below 70. Beautiful. Perfect. All right. Well, this was fun. This was great. All right. Perfect. I well, hope that was helpful. I hope you guys found it helpful and we would be happy to answer any further questions as a result of this conversation in the homepage in our community um, or you can message us. Dean and I are very passionate about making sure that people understand that it's the combination of lifestyle and when it's necessary, medication should be introduced for cardiovascular disease prevention and obviously for prevention of dementia and the horrible Alzheimer's yeah. disease. The operative term being when it's necessary. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And everybody's different. So a, a, exactly. a precision, personalized approach is critical. We, we will never um, support a cookie cutter approach for everyone. Correct. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we can do this on a similar topic very soon. Thank you for all of the beautiful questions that you've posted. And see you guys soon. We're hoping to do one per week every monday either with somebody else uh, we've had some cancellations or on a topic that we think is important so hang in there and uh, would love uh, your involvement and we will post all of the research that we just mentioned on the homepage for you all uh, to read and some of you nerds who want to nerd out on them <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll enjoy bye guys have, have a, a great, great day. day take care